Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the XFL Fantasy Central Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Villagomez. You can find me on Twitter at RJ Villagomez. You can find the show on Twitter at XFL Fantasy Cast. We are going to start doing something cool, and it is going to be a, a very fun adventure for, I think, all of us. Uh, so I will announce that, and we will we will talk about what's going to happen with the Fantasy Cast uh, going forward here in the next few weeks, uh, days, whatever we got going on. So um, I'm going to cut the intro short, do a brief segment, and then we're going to bring on John Ferguson. We're going to talk a lot about usage, uh, especially in the wide receiver position, uh, touch a little bit on some running back stuff, but uh, a lot of great breakdown of the first two weeks worth of fantasy usage for uh, certain players. So uh, that is coming up. A lot of great stuff to get your notebook out, start taking some notes. So, uh, all right, let's kick off the show. So here's to new beginnings, or sort of, I don't know. Uh, I decided that uh, this show, it's a living, breathing thing. And I think that uh, with with as much information that we get on a, or misinformation or no information on a daily basis, it's so hard to even do a two day a week podcast and stay relevant. So this show will be moving to a more of a daily sort of, and not daily fantasy. I mean, we already do that, but uh, more of a daily format as far as, content is concerned. Shorter episodes, uh, they'll be within about a half hour or so. This one might be a little bit longer, uh, but that's just because I'm taking some time to uh, really talk about uh, what the direction of the show and because we had a lot of great stuff to talk about. So maybe between 30 to 45 minute episodes, uh, but they're going to be more uh, targeted toward one certain aspect or maybe a couple of aspects kind of chunked into one. Uh, We will do some waiver wire stuff starting... uh, next week, not this week, uh, because this is Tuesday already and you know, whatever, but we'll do some waiver wire stuff. Uh, again, it's difficult to do waiver wire because we don't have uh, a lot of information, but, uh, we'll try our best. And then, you know, we'll talk uh, about roster construction. We'll talk about, um, some strategies to win. Uh, we'll maybe take a look back on Mondays on the actual, uh, what won the slate and we'll, we'll break down what won about the slate. Uh, you know, who took home the hundred thousand dollars. We'll talk a little bit about who they had and, and the, maybe the, the, uh, rationales behind having them. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll do a lot of that stuff. And, and really what we'll do is we'll just try to make this show a lot more, uh, centered and a lot more focused per episode. And I think what that'll do for you is it'll give you an opportunity to listen to these, you know, a couple at a time, uh, maybe not, it doesn't have to be so long to listen, to get to the point of, of what we're talking about. And uh, I just think overall, it's going to be a good thing for all of us. So, uh, it will be, you know, basically Monday through Friday. Uh, I know I said every day on my tweet, but maybe I got a little over ambitious on that too, because Saturdays and Sundays are a little difficult to get out episodes, um, especially after watching the game, but you know, maybe there'll be room for a, a quick periscope after the Saturday games so we can kind of digest what was going on and that'll go up on Twitter. So uh, again, a lot to cover and a lot to talk about over the next few days and next few weeks. And so hopefully this this format that we're switching to now uh, will lend itself to to better uh, suit your needs, you know, because again, this is this is for you guys. This is for your listeners. This isn't for me. Uh, although I did tell John Ferguson that this is all free fantasy advice for me. So the rest of you guys that listen, <laughs> I hope you enjoy my free fantasy advice. Uh, but yeah, and hopefully you guys cash last week. I mean, it was a pretty 
uh, I don't want to say high scoring week, but it was a higher scoring week than it's been in the past um, and a lot of points to be had. So uh, hopefully you cashed last week. So, all right, we're going to get to the rest of the show. We're going to, like I said, talk to John Ferguson, break down some wide receiver usage, uh, talk about some running backs and, and um, just, uh, we're going to cover a little bit of the gamut about what we're, what we're covering as far as daily and, and, and uh, snap counts and stuff like that. So, uh, all right, let's get to it. It is now going to be a Wednesday, and that is a great time, or Tuesday night, depending on when you listen to this. I don't know. I don't know your habits, uh, but it's a great time to bring on John Ferguson, at Fantasy Ferguson on Twitter, because uh, this man is going to break down so much for us coming up on this DFS slate that, uh, I mean, you got to know. You have to know this stuff. So, John, thanks for joining. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on again. I always have fun coming on here and chopping stuff up with you. It's a great proving gr- or a great uh, thinking ground for us for uh, you know trying to figure out how to go forward with this crazy slate. I mean, from week one to week two, John, what did we see? Well, you know, we're still learning a lot. We don't have enough, you know, data to really like, you know, for for like trends and things like that. You need at least three weeks, you know, is is where I feel comfortable like really identifying like, okay, this is like how things are going to be with this team or this player and things like that. And so, but one of the things that I've been breaking down each week so far to establish the run is um, uh, player usage and team usage and things like that. And so, yeah, we have a lot to look over for that. Like one of the biggest things so far, um, you know, looking just at the league in general was that, you know, our expectations coming into this league uh, was that it was going to be super pass heavy. You know, like everyone was thinking like 65% pass, 35% rush ratio, more or less. And uh, so far, it hasn't actually quite been like that. Um, week one, we saw 59% pass, 41% rush split. And then week two, it actually went back a little bit, uh, going 56% pass and 44% rush uh, for the league average. So, you know, we're just, I don't know, these guys, they're just not passing it quite at the volume that we were expecting coming into it. I feel a lot of that has to do with uh, offensive line play. And I know it's been all over the place that everybody's saying, you know, well, offense is horrible. But, you know, the offensive line, uh, that unit takes a while to gel. And, and I'm pretty sure that in, what, about two, two and a half weeks, three and a half weeks, you're not going to get the type of uh, familiarity with the system, with each other, to, to give quarterbacks time to throw. And, and we've even seen that yards per carry aren't really all that great in, in most of the average rushers across the league. Yeah, that's, I know, that's the thing that I was kind of surprised by you know, when I was looking through a lot of this stuff. is like, well, the backfields haven't really been incredibly efficient, though, for most of these teams. So it's like, well, I, don't, I don't really know why teams aren't airing it out a little bit more on average. But, you know, for some of them, it's working. Like, I mean, look at St. Louis. Like, they've, you know they've come out of nowhere to kind of be one of the more impressive teams through two weeks. And they're leading the league uh, in rushing at 57.4% uh, rush ratio so far through two weeks. And they're, I mean, they're looking good doing it, you know? And I mean, they've just run crazy amount of plays too. They ran like 80 plays last week, which was like, Oh man, I don't remember how exactly how much it was like 16 plays more than the next team or something like that. It was crazy. So I mean, some of the stuff is working, even though they're not passing it quite as much. And let St. Louis's backfield be a word of caution for anybody who is overreacting to anything, because uh, where were we on week one with Kristen Michael? <laughs> yeah, seriously, I know. He, it, it's funny, too, because, you know, with Matt Jones, you know, we were unsure of, like, what his status was going to be coming into this, uh, coming into week two. 
but then he wound up leading the league with 16 carries. But then Christine Michael was right there next to him with 15 carries. So, I mean, the two of them were on the top one and two for the league in rushing attempts uh, last week. And so, you know, it's just whatever whatever they're doing is working, though, because, I mean, they didn't get the win. But, I mean, they, they looked, you know, they look good, man. Like, they look way better than anyone had anticipated. Well, I think Jordan Tamu is actually the the kingpin of all of that because he looks like he's a guy who uh, I, I don't really I never watched a whole lot of film on him. I mean, I saw a couple of his highlight reels, but, uh, you know, he looks like a guy that has played all leading up until now. I mean, it doesn't look like he's really missed a beat and he seems to have a grasp so far on what this offense is, is all about. And to me, I mean, with him and PJ Walker doing what they're doing, uh, it's really making these two teams stand out abo- uh, among the rest. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that's impressed me a lot about Tomo too, is that his completion percentage has been crazy the first two weeks. I mean, he, he completed 81% of his passes last week. And uh, that was one of my biggest concerns coming into the XFL, like one of the trends that I was afraid that the Alliance had that was going to carry over to the XFL was that we were going to see these like just putrid like yards per attempt and completion percentages, you know, like, I mean, you know, I love the Alliance and everything, but like a lot of guys were struggling to hit 50% completions and their yards per attempt were like in the four range a lot of times, you know, and so... It, it's been a really nice surprise seeing guys like Tom who come out and just be really successful passing and, and running too. I mean, his mobility has really been a game changer, especially for, for DFS. Well, and again, it's just it's his ability to create uh, plays and it's his ability to find some, and I say running and mobile quarterback, I think we've talked about this before and my definition is not always the same as everybody else's, but he is a mobile quarterback, but boy, he can break one loose too. And uh, the only thing that's frustrating the most about uh, really any of these teams and, and, and St. Louis to, to be exact is just usage of um, of their their weapons. I mean, you just I know two weeks we just said is not a trend, but uh, it is so hard to predict. Uh, wh- even going back to the beginning of the season, who we thought was going to be a standout to to get the play that we thought they were, and to eventually get the fantasy points that we thought they were too. So, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been some players who have definitely stood out that are basically what we had expected they were going to be. You know. Um, especially more at wide receiver. Um, there hasn't been uh, quite as many surprises there, I feel like. Um, one guy who stood out last week, obviously, was Keenan Reynolds uh, with Seattle. Um, he was the only skill position player, like a running back, wide receiver, tight end, to see 100% of his team's snaps last week. Um, and so he's, he's definitely he's getting fed pretty well there. Uh, they, didn't, they only attempted like 18 passes last week. It was really low volume. Um, but you know, he's, he's definitely a player that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on and someone that I was really high on coming into the season. So I'm really excited to see him getting the kind of usage that I was hoping he was going to get this year. I know. And, and that's funny because I was, you, you got me, well, I mean, he was a Navy guy, so I was going to automatically count him out, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you got me a little more excited about him. And then in week one, he just was kind of a, a non-factor. And then all of a sudden he shows up for week two. Uh, and now, and now it just remains to be seen on whether or not we're going to see a week three, uh, going forward. But, uh, so let me talk about the DC defenders real quick, because we were really high on a guy named Rashad Ross and Rashad Ross, uh, only saw 57% of the team snaps and really it was Eli Rogers and, and DeAndre Tompkins that actually ate up most of the snap count for DC. What's going on there? Yeah. I mean, Ross is still, 
I mean, he's still in the running, running in the three wide sets and everything, you know, he ran, uh, what was it 26 routes last week, which was only one less than DeAndre Tompkins, but Tompkins just wound up with nine targets and Ross only had five. So, I mean, he, he, yeah, he's not seeing the field in a full-time role still. He's not, you know, in that like 90% range yet. I mean, on the season, yeah, he's sitting at like a 57% snap share. So, you know, it's, um, I don't know, but he, I mean, he's doing so much with the work that he is getting that it kind of doesn't matter. You know, it's like you, you'd feel more comfortable if you saw him, you know, in that 90% snap share range. But really when it comes down to it, as long as he's producing, then I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> No, no, I guess it doesn't. But I mean, I was actually a little surprised uh, that Eli Rogers got as much play as he got uh, last week. Uh, again, I, I don't know what I was expecting for him coming into the season, but uh, I, I don't know that I was expecting him to get as much as he did last week. Well, something that you know I feel pretty comfortable in saying is a trend so far through just two weeks is the fact that uh, the slot receivers in this league are, are really doing, they're, they're really doing a, a really good job. Like they're getting a lot of volume, you know, week one, we saw like Austin Prohl just kind of demolished from the slot. Um, Eli Rogers has been playing in the slot and he's been getting a lot of work. Um, even like for, you know, Tampa Reese Horn, I think was their leading receiver this last week. And he's been playing primarily in the slot. You've got Nelson Spruce has played some there. So, you know, the slot guys on pretty much every team, uh, have have become pretty reliable targets for for their quarterbacks so far. Yeah, and and to me, again, when you when you start to break down where everybody's at as far as you know being on the field as much as they have, you see some of the the, the familiar names that you're looking at that you were looking at preseason. Um, but has there been anybody that we really weren't on, or maybe you were on, but not too many other people were on that that are are jumping out at you? Any names that uh, that are getting more usage than than you expected? Um, you know, I mean, I think definitely that, you know, like I said, Keenan Reynolds was one of those that I was super high on coming into the season. Um, but also Donald Parham was, was a guy who, you know, I had really high hopes for. And I mean, as a tight end in this league, no one really expected much of anyone not named Nick Truesdale, uh, coming into this league, but I, I really liked the potential that Parham had. And so far, I mean, last week he didn't disappoint at all. He was tied for the league lead with 11 targets and, I mean, he's been basically the the best receiving option Dallas has had so far this season. And then, unfortunately, he had to go and, you know, get banged up a little bit last week. But he was still able to finish the game. And so I'm thinking he should be good to go for this week. But, yeah, he's he's one of those guys. And then, um, you know, I don't know. There's, there's a few sprinkled in here and there. But he's one that really stands out to me aside from Keenan Reynolds. Yeah, and you look at that Renegades receiving core with Nagel, Crockett, and Bidette, you know, Martino. Those guys... I, again, it, it doesn't seem like they seem like they're using more of Parham and more of Dunbar uh, out of the the backfield to to catch passes than they really are their receivers. Um, even though you know we we can't really say much with Landry Jones just coming back last week, and obviously we knew uh, uh, with uh, the first week quarterback situation. Yeah, I, it, I think that that offense will get better next week, and we may see more of their receivers stepping up, and they won't need to dump it off to their tight end or their running backs. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because, yeah, like last week, you know, the the top four, four targets there, you had a tight end and two running backs were, you know, the you had three of the top four targets were not wide receivers. Jeff Bidette was the only one who was really, you know, super active as a wide receiver. And um, they are using, they're using both Dunbar and actually I've been surprised how much they've been using Cameron Artis, Cameron Artis Payne 
uh, in the past game, too. He actually leads all running backs in routes run so far this season. And both him and Dunbar are right there inside the top three for routes. So I don't really know that they'll shy away from that because it worked pretty good last week. And, you know, if they're, you know, we don't know what's going on with Jazz Ferguson. Like he was just a random, you know, surprise last minute scratch last week. He didn't pop up on the first injury report for week three. So, like, I don't know, you know, like we were hitting up Miller time to see what's going on in Dallas. You know, like get on, get Bob Stoops on the phone and tell me what's going on with my boy Jazz Ferguson because they need him there. They need they need wide receivers who can produce because it's it's not happening right right now. Well, Ferguson started right, and he came out almost within the first I, I think maybe two series or something, and he he came out with an injury, and and that was about it for him. We didn't see him the rest of the game, and you're right, he's not on the injury report this week, and I, I don't think he was even in the practice report at all. So, Jazz Ferguson, a big question mark already going into this week, and somebody you really liked, and somebody I think everybody was kind of coming in on. His name popped up almost everywhere when you were talking about XFL coverage. So, um, we see these early early practice reports now or an early injury reports come out there's some surprising names on this one uh and one of them is is cam phillips so what are we thinking there yeah i don't i'm thinking it's probably just a rest day for him um but he has been getting some super heavy usage um he's he's actually has has the highest snap percentage of any wide out in the league he's only missed one snap so far in, in the first two games so he's been in there literally like every single play and he's getting used pretty heavy. And so I think it, it could be just, you know, just managing workload, just giving the guys a day's worth of rest. And especially with a short week and stuff, you know, they don't want to burn him out before before the game on Saturday. So I think he'll probably wind up being totally fine. But, of course, with the injury reports that we get, we don't really know much more than just limited or did not participate or, you know, anything like that. We don't have as many details as we would like to. So, Definitely, definitely want to keep a super close eye on because if, with him out of the mix for Houston, that opens up a lot of targets for you know a lot of other wideouts there. Well, and then one in particular that has just been moved to the wideout position, and that's Nick Hawley because or Nate Hawley rather because he is uh, well, he's not a running back anymore. Now he's a wide receiver, uh, and so he could stand to to. But I don't think I think you're right. I think Cam Phillips is going to be just fine. I think they probably got him a room at a nice hotel, uh, found him a nice masseuse, and uh, hooked him up with a, a spa day because the man definitely earned it after this weekend's play. <laughs> yeah, Holly Nick Hawley is he's definitely a. A good one to keep an eye on because he's second on the team in snap share so far through two games. So he's he's been getting some really nice usage there as well, and along with Khalil Lewis. And then I mean, Sammy Coates was also a DNP. He didn't participate, and but I mean, he's just been terrible. Dude, he's caught like he's. I think it was he's caught three of thirteen targets so far this season. I think it is. So I mean, it's like it doesn't matter how fast you can run if you can't catch the ball. <laughs> it's tough. I, I've, I mean, watching him play, you, you, everybody was like, oh, Sammy Coates, Sammy Coates. And there was people that were saying, take him number one overall in your fantasy drafts. And I was like, pump the brakes there, guys. Like, let's. Well, uh, he has the ceiling. Like, he has the speed. He had the pedigree from NFL. Like, we know he's capable of doing big things, but unfortunately, he's also capable of being a huge letdown, too. And so, <laughs> so far, that's all we've gotten from him. He's like the. XFL's version of Quentin Patton so far. <laughs> oh man! Dude, oh poor Quentin. He's Patton. gonna come at me. Poor Quentin, dude. He's gonna come at me. He he's already like, like, come on, Fergie, come on. It's not why you throw me under the bus like that. Yeah, because he was Sorry, he was hyped up. Happen. No, it's fine. It, it, well, what who's uh who's the guy that you always uh drafted? Who was your who was your man? 
who's now on the island. My man was Tavazier Felton was my man from the Alliance. Yeah, he's yep. not. He's not in this league. What? But he should be. Oh no, Ter- I'm thinking of Taron Folston. He's on the IR. Oh yeah, yeah. I liked Folston too. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's not playing right now. <laughs> no, no, neither one of them are. So, yeah. all right. So let's let's take an l- early look though at what we're we're thinking of as far as and and we're not even talking prices right now. Just as as far as maybe targets that we're thinking of early in the week as we start to construct our DFS rosters, um, especially at the wide receiver position, because if you take a look, prices have jumped considerably on some of these guys. Yeah, you know what? I haven't even really dug into prices yet for week three. Um, I don't usually do that until usually about Thursday, sometimes Wednesday. But um, yeah, I've I've heard already, yeah, they were talking a little bit about some of the prices are just nuts. Um, Jalen Tolliver uh, is a guy who I feel like is going to get his pretty soon here. And um, I'm guessing that his price has probably become one of the more friendly prices of the Tampa Bay whiteouts at this point, because he, he's basically been one of the only whiteouts there who hasn't really gotten a lot done yet so far. And so he's, he's been seeing a really healthy snap share. Um, You know, a lot of his, his other, you know, advanced metrics that we've been looking at, um, you know, 81.4% snap share. So he's actually uh, second behind just Nick Truesdale, on that team and the amount of snaps that he's playing. And he's also seeing a good market share percentage of the targets there. Uh, he's, he's second behind Daniel Williams and Reese Horn who are tied for first. So I think Tampa is going to have to figure something out, you know, with, with their past game, they've been terrible in the red zone. They were 0 and seven so far this season in red zone conversions. And I just think that, you know, I think they're going to have to do something more this week. They've been moving the ball. All right. Between the twenties, they just can't score, you know, and just with their quarterback carousel, it's like, you know, they got, they got to figure something out. But I just, I think that Tolliver is going to be someone who kind of winds up surprising people at some point here. And I think this could be the week for it. I'm waiting for Tolliver. I'm waiting for him to burst, to bust out. It, it's re- I, you're right. It's bound yeah, to happen. He, he feels like one of those guys, you know, it's just, he's just going to have a monster game. Like, and I feel like it's coming really soon. I think it could, I don't know, it could be this week. Who knows? It could never happen. But, but I, I don't know. I feel good about it this week. And I, like I said, I haven't, I haven't glanced at prices yet, but I have a feeling he's probably become a pretty, pretty friendly price point player. He's, he's 4,300 right now. And I've seen him with the tie cats. I've seen him completely go bonkers on a CFL field. So I know, I know he can do it. He's just got to get the chance and got to get a quarterback to get him the ball. So at 4,300, I mean, shoot, man, if you're playing, you know, the max 20 or, or however many lineups you're, you're building, uh, if you throw Tolliver in at least one of them, you're, you're looking at a pretty good uh, opportunity to, to really bulk up everywhere else. Because in a week where you need value, uh, Tolliver with all of what John just told you, uh, is actually a pretty good look at, at some breakout potential in week three. Yeah, they've been using him out of the backfield too, you know. So they're they're definitely trying to get him going. They know that what he can bring to the, to the team and to the offense. And so, you know, he's only one target behind Williams and Horn for the team lead so far. So I, I really just think, you know, his his time's definitely coming. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Well, and then when that win is, and if you have him, and in season long, if you have him as a stash, um, I don't know. Do you wait one more week before you put him in a flex position, or is this the week maybe you take a chance on him? I guess it depends on who you're comparing him to, like who else, who your other option options are. But given the amount of usage that he's seeing, I, I would feel pretty comfortable playing him in a flex because 
I mean, the usage the usage is there. He's on the field enough. It's just it's just a matter of getting him getting him the ball more, and you know, him doing a little bit more with it once he does have it. So, well, well let's say you're let's say you're choosing between let's say you're you're getting tired of waiting for Coates to break out, and and you're thinking of maybe Coates versus Tolliver. What what kind of decision would you make there? Whew. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'd probably take Tolliver at this point, honestly. <laughs> yeah, mean, see, that's what I'm saying. That's like, the kind of choice how, that people may have to make. Wait for Co- you, know, you know who Coates is? Coates is basically Robbie Anderson, oh. and I hate Robbie Anderson. Oh. I, I like. I've made bets with some of the guys in Gridiron. I made a bet with him this last season at Gridiron Experts um, that Anderson would not finish as a top 25 wideout, and I had doubled it that he would not finish as a top 50 wideout. I almost won the double bet. I almost won the double, but he just—he's just one of those guys. He's like he's going to wind up having like two monster games, you know, on the whole season to where his like end of season stats look decent, but like he'll get like fifty percent of his total season stats over the span of like two or three games, and the rest of the time he's just dead space. And so, especially right now with him all of a sudden popping up on an injury report and stuff too, it's just. I don't know. They're they're rotating him out too. You know, I mean, they've they've been bringing in Raheem Malone and you know Sam Mobley and stuff like that. Not super frequently, but when they are rotating guys in and out, Coates is the one who's leaving the field. So, yeah, and and it, you're right. It's tough to it's tough to want to to trust that kind of stuff when you just can't uh, when you can't when you know that he can do it, but he can't. And you, you want to roll them out every week because you want to be that guy that says, ha ha, I waited on Sammy Coates. But in the meantime, you're finishing last in your league because you're waiting on Sammy Coates. Yeah, if you want to die on that hill, that's cool. You'll definitely die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a guy on, uh, I want to turn to a, a, another team that actually just changed their quarterback too. Uh, and now that Josh Johnson's back, looked like uh, Jordan Smallwood took a very huge upgrade in that wide receiving core, uh, out snapping Nelson Spruce even in that game uh, uh, last week. Yeah, Smallwood's definitely a guy who's, I mean, he's getting his, but I mean, this is still like, I mean, Spruce has such a commanding lead of the of the targets on this team in total that, you know, I, I don't think he's going to like unseat Spruce by any means, but I mean, they're definitely like a 1A, 1B kind of situation there, I think. And um, Smallwood, he's, I mean, he's a good player and they're not really using their running backs in the passing game, like pretty much at all. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. They're not using their tight ends very much in the passing game. So it's, you know, yeah, the, 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 the whole LA offense is still probably going to be evolving over the next two weeks, really. And same can be said for Dallas. And that's, that's something else too, with, you know, like how we started this conversation about kind of the pass percentages. And you have to, you have to remember too, that, you know, Landry Jones and Josh Johnson are two of the best quarterbacks in this league. And they just barely made their debuts last week. So, you know, things are still going to pick up. Like, some people were kind of down a little bit on, I think, the, the, the pace of play and the scoring and everything in week two. But, I mean, you just got to sit tight. You know, there's going to be peaks and valleys. And, you know, I think, I think we're going to see teams like L.A. kind of step it up a lot in the next, uh, in the next couple of weeks here. So let's talk about that just for a second. You talked about the peaks and the valleys. We're th- we're through two weeks. I mean, we we've lived through two weeks of spring ball last season too. And I know that you can't really compare the AAF and the XFL in what they're offering us right now. But for for those who are either a waiting for this league to fold after eight weeks or B so fiercely guarded about this league that they will just deny any sort of uh, failure at all. Um, 
where do you fall in that spectrum? I think they're going to be, I think there's plenty of room for success here. And I mean, they've, they've been a lot smarter about things, you know, the way that they've approached kind of planning for the games. Like, you know, people, some people are talking about attendance and things like that, but it's like, they are, they're actually selling out the amount of seats that they're anticipating on selling out. You know, they're, they're not opening up these huge stadiums and expecting 40,000 people to show up. You know, they know that like, okay, we're going to open up, you know, lower levels. We're going to sell hopefully, you know, 15,000 tickets. And if we do great, but as long as they're in that, you know, 13 to 15,000 range, I think for attendance is what they've been aiming for. Then they're, they're happy. And then as far as the quality of play goes, you know, like I said, there's, there's going to be peaks and valleys and, you know, some of the games last week, just, they just didn't, they just didn't deliver. You know, I mean, we saw that in the totals and with the unders keep hitting for betting like crazy. They're, you know, people are anticipating more and they're not really getting it. Um, part of that's been red zone efficiency. Like these teams just haven't been great in the red zone in general and conversion, converting, you know, those drives into, into points. Uh, last week, the, the league itself was the 36.4% was the average red zone conversion percentage. And that was down from uh, like 40% in week one. So you know, some of these teams just aren't really getting in the end zone enough. And then the extra point rule is another thing that I've kind of, uh, it, it, it's better than a kick, I guess, but at the same time, it's not because it's, it's kind of shaving points off the totals because they're not even, you know, these, these teams are struggling to convert even at two point, the two point range, you know? And so you're winding up with six points instead of seven on each score a lot of times. And so it's just, the totals aren't, aren't going to be driven up, you know, as, as high as people were hoping, considering you know all those things and then on top of that the fact that with with the new clock rules we're not really seeing like a boost in the in the pace of play and the total plays for the most part i mean we're still seeing more or less average to even slightly below average numbers of plays compared to nfl and that so okay that has fantasy impact right away too because again with the fact that there are not as many plays as anticipated uh it just means that there's not as many fantasy points that go around because here's the thing we've seen with these low point totals there's not a lot of yardage to go around with it either um and i'm not sure if that has to do much with the the kick returns because uh we anticipated kick returning being a lot more prevalent in this game and and switching field position uh but i think also the penalty on the kickoffs has done a little bit of something too because we've seen a couple times where that's really skewed field position and so you kind of are relying on scores when you're talking about fantasy value on these players because the yardage totals aren't necessarily i don't we've only had a couple of uh we've only had what 100 yard rusher we almost had one last week uh but he only stopped short at 99 yards and as far as 100 yard receivers we, we haven't seen too many of those either so uh all those bonus points that we get for 100 100 plus yards aren't materializing quite as much as we probably expected them to in the beginning of this season yeah and i mean landry jones was the first one to throw for 300 yards in the league so far last week so it's just, uh, yeah, the between the 20s numbers haven't really piled up as much, I think, as, uh, as people were anticipating coming into this. But I don't know. I feel like so far, like last season with the Alliance and this season with the XFL, like everyone thinks that a new football league is going to come in and just like put up like AFL numbers on like an NFL field, basically, you know, like arena, like crazy scoring and things like that. And it's just, it's not going to happen. It's still, it's still football. It's still, you know, they, they want the, the, the play to still be 
mirroring the NFL as much as possible as far as the style and everything without drastically changing the game. And so, you know, you're not, you're just, you're just not going to see it. You're not going to see crazy high scores. Like they considered that game, the St. Louis versus Houston, 24, 28 game, a shootout last week, (laughs) which, you know, like that was how they were presenting it. It's like, well, I mean, kind of, yeah, I guess, you know, there was a decent amount of touchdowns, but I mean, a shootout in the NFL is like each team's over 30 points easily, you know? So it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's a little bit lower scoring than, than everyone had hoped. For as much as I love what the XFL uh, Twitter account's doing, uh, their, their y'all wanted points uh, tweet was <laughs> a little bit yeah, early. I was, I was like, that's like a very standard NFL score. Like 24 points is like league average in NFL basically for scoring. So like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's cool. It was an exciting game. I'll give them that. Definitely felt like a shootout, but the final wasn't really, you know, what you what you normally see for a shootout well compared to what we what we saw on saturday i think that definitely was a shootout compared it to felt that. like it yeah, yeah. <laughs> saturday would have been like a really exciting baseball game <laughs> score and then like i mean dc put up 27 so that's good but i mean new york was just oh man they were they were disgusting that was just like the worst offensive performance i think i've ever seen from from new york that was like sub aaf performance from new york so what are you doing if you own any New York players? We'll, we'll make this fantasy relevant here to our folks. What are you doing if you have any New York players right now? I mean, you're still playing McKay. I mean, I hope they just give the ball to Marquise Williams. Like, let's just, let's just give it to him, man. Like, let's, I've been waiting to watch this guy for like two years in spring league action. Like, I wanted him to play in the Alliance last year, and they only used him on these crappy little, like, run routes here and there. And, I mean, McLoin just... He looked serviceable in week one. Like, I thought he was like, he didn't look amazing, but he looked fine. Like, he looked average, but they kind of hit him because the defense did all the work in week one. And then last week, I mean, he averaged 2.3 yards per attempt. Like, that's ridiculous, dude. Yeah, like, throwing the ball. Like, he, he threw the ball 2.3 yards per attempt. Like, that's just like, you don't do that. That doesn't happen. So, like, I just, I hope they give Marquise Williams a ball. And, like, he's going to be probably still have some turnovers and things like that, but he at least completed 50% when he took over for New York. And he, he's a lot more of like an electrifying type of player. Who's going to really like energize an offense, you know, because he'll get it done with, with his legs, with his arm. He's got a cannon for an arm. And I mean, I don't know, I, I guess maybe the fact that, you know, they don't have Yancey and, and uh, Gentry, you know, who are both still on IR. I think that might be hurting them. Uh, a little bit more than we had anticipated. So the receiving options just aren't great. Quarterback play isn't great. You've got Kevin Gilbride kind of running an old school offense and like what's supposed to be a more progressive league, you know, with, I mean, I like Tim Cook and Darius Victor, but they're old school running backs, you know, like these guys should have been playing like 30 years ago where they can just be bruising backs, just crushing through brick walls. But, you know, the fact that they, List Justin Stockton inactive, who gives them a more kind of shifty scat back Austin Eckler type player. You know, they're just they're not playing that kind of ball. They're not playing the the, the kind of ball that's going to be really successful in this league. So, outside of Mikael McKay, I, I don't know. I don't know who you're playing there. Yeah, I had so much Joel Horn love last week. I just he was he was the guy. He was the guy I built pretty much every one of my lineups around because he was cheap and he had all the targets. And then last week was just the big block. Like I went yeah. down with well, Joe that's whole, the whole team, man, you know, like you, I mean, they just, they, 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 they threw for 95 yards. Like 
people aren't going to have fantasy points when you can't throw for 100 yards in a game. <laughs> not even a little. Not even a little. So, um, all right. Is, is there anything else that we need to touch on? I feel like we've we've kind of dug really deep into a lot of this stuff, but uh, is there any fantasy actionable pieces of tidbits that you want to leave behind on this episode before we, we wrap it up and send them into Wednesday? No, you know, I think it'll just be keeping an eye on those injury reports heading, heading into the week. You know, Houston is the big one right now so far. We don't have the injury reports for the Sunday games yet, but so far there's a lot of big names on Houston. And then, um, you know, we need, we need to find out what's going on Still with Tampa's quarterback situation, if they're going to continue this kind of nonsense with this, you know, 70% Cornelius, 30% Quentin Flowers nonsense, you know. And so just watching some of those quarterback situations that are questionable right now with New York also, and then watching watching the injury reports, those are the biggest things to to, to keep an eye on as we head into the weekend. And if Tolliver's on the waiver wire in your leagues, put in a waiver claim for him tonight. Yep, Jalen Tolliver week. Let's do it. Let's, let's do claim it. it right now. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we are gonna be first, and we are gonna be right. <laughs> and if we're not, it won't matter because we said it on a Tuesday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, uh, jo- uh, John. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your work, and uh, and we'll send them on their way. Yeah, definitely. I've been putting out work over at EstablishTheRun.com this season for XFL. So we're doing a ton of DFS coverage there. You can find weekly pieces there. We're also doing, uh, you know, we have a establish the show, which is a live video feed where um, Adam Levitin, Evan Silva, and Sean Newsham are breaking down the DFS slate. So three of the you know top dogs of the DFS industry. You definitely want to hear what they have to say. Um, and then just can continue to follow me on Twitter at Fantasy Ferguson. And uh, if you have any questions, you can always hit me up there as well, and be happy to answer anything you guys got. John will not be uh, the. This will not be the last time you hear John because I'm going just about every day now. So we're gonna have John on every week uh, at least once, if not twice. If he, you know, skypes me early in the day and says let's go, uh, you know, I'm always ready to talk to John about fantasy, and I hope you guys are always ready to listen. So uh, once again, at Fantasy Ferguson on Twitter, always a good follow, always a good talk. John, thanks for joining. Thank you, man. Go town. Let's do it. Fast, furious, and over. This episode is complete. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're enjoying the new format already. Uh, I hope it's uh, serving you well. And uh, I definitely, like I said, look forward to doing some uh, more of these types of shows uh, where it doesn't take up an hour of your time and that you can really just listen and and take in all the information without having to take in too much information because there is such a thing as overload and I don't want to do that. So uh, again, thank you for taking this ride with me. Thank you, thank you for taking the ride this whole season. I mean, it's just been overwhelming how much this show's been taken in and appreciated and uh, how many of you are actually listening out there. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it's so much fun. I cannot even believe for one second that, uh, that even one of you, that you right now, the one that's listening is listening to this show. Uh, and I appreciate you. Uh, so shout me out on Twitter at fantasy XFL fantasy cast. Tell me I'm the person that you were talking about. Uh, <laughs> and we'll go from there. So, uh, all right, tomorrow we'll talk to, uh, Adam Pelletier. Uh, we're going to have some, some great fantasy knowledge from him. I will update you on the listener league. That's uh, that's coming up too. So, uh, again, lots of fun stuff to be had. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>